Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. In Genesis chapter 9 and verse 8, Noah had just come off the ark. And it says, God spoke to Noah and his sons with him, saying, Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, every beast of the earth with you, of all that comes out of the ark, every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood. Neither shall there be again a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations, for perpetual generations of King James. says, forever I set my bow in the cloud, the rainbow, and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow will be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all the earth. And when the bow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So God made a covenant with the earth. And you know, this is a different kind of a covenant. Usually covenant is between people. But God, well, it's between God and the earth. But, but there's really no, no condition that the earth has to fulfill. God said, I'm just going to do this. I'm, I'm not going to flood the earth again, ever, ever. And, it's a, and God doesn't just say it. He says, I make a covenant. And so, because a covenant is a solemn, you might say even a, even a sacred agreement, a pact. And usually it's between people. And it can be between uh, two people. For example, uh, David. In 1 Samuel 18, it says, excuse me, it says Jonathan loved David as he loved himself, and they made a covenant. David and covenant. David and Jonathan made a covenant. Two individuals. And a covenant can be made between groups of people. The, the, the Israelites made a covenant with a group of people called the Gibeonites in Joshua chapter 9. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, a little bit later, but it's between groups of people. And God can make a covenant between God and a one man, like God did with Abram. Before he was Abraham, he was Abram. And in Genesis chapter 15, God made a, a covenant with Abram. Now, I want to go there and read that. That's, listen to what it says. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, <clears throat> Do not fear, Abram. I'm a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram, and, and Abram said, Since you have given me no offspring, since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man shall not be your heir 
but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he looked outside and he said, I think I'm reading the wrong scripture. Well, praise the Lord. Look outside. Look toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said, you so shall your descendants be. And he believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And that's not the scripture I wanted to read, but it's a good scripture. Hallelujah. So God entered into a covenant with Abram. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your descendants I've given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenite, the Kenizzite, the Cadmonite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Rephaim, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Gergesite, and the Jebusite. You know what? That land that Israel's living on, I don't care if they don't ever live on it again, it's still theirs. For 2,500 years or however long it was, they were away from there. You know, they weren't living there as, a, as it was not their land. There may have been some Jews living there, but it wasn't Israel. But God gave it to them as an everlasting covenant. It's theirs. It has been theirs. It is theirs, and it'll always be theirs. And I'll tell you, I loved it. I loved it when, <clears throat> when Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu a few years ago said, when he took office, he said, I declare Jerusalem the eternal capital of the nation of Israel. And I said, amen, brother. Amen. It's, Jerusalem is the eternal capital. By covenant, God gave it to them. And no man can take it away. Hallelujah. So God makes a, a covenant between himself and a man. And God made a covenant between himself between uh, himself and a nation, the people of Israel. In Exodus chapter 24, it says, I'm going to give you this land forever. But there's one very important thing to remember about a covenant is that there are blessings for honoring it and there are consequences for violating it. And we have to remember that. We are, you know, in, in the New Testament, it doesn't, it doesn't list blessings and cursings like in the Old Testament. But in every covenant, there's, there's a blessing for keeping it, and there's consequences for not keep, for violating it. And man cannot enter into an ongoing relationship with God without covenant. And establishing of a covenant always requires a sacrifice. Blood has to be shed. In the Old Testament, it was animal blood. In the New Testament, it was the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But blood has to be shed. The only way to have an ongoing relationship with God is to be in a covenant relationship with him. And by the way, marriage is a covenant relationship. And covenant relationships are, unless they're superseded by uh, another one, they, they just remain intact. They remain forever. They don't ever change. You know, because God, God's like that. God doesn't change his mind. When he says, I'm giving it to Israel, that's it. I'm not going to change my mind later and say, well, uh, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll give it to somebody else. But that's not the way God is. He's a loving God. He knows what he's doing. Hallelujah. God made an everlasting covenant with Abraham and that a nation would proceed from him. It doesn't matter if it's been a 100 or a 1,000 years. You know, he can't, and they can't say, well, that, that's what God did to Abraham. That's what God promised Abraham. It's different now. It doesn't apply to us today. Oh, yes, it does. God's covenant applies. It doesn't ever change. Hallelujah. He's a covenant-keeping God, the Bible says, to a thousand generations. He just always is and always will be a God who's faithful to the covenant. Hallelujah. I just want to just briefly just describe to you a little bit the power of a covenant. Hallelujah. Look in Exodus. 
I tell you, these scriptures, just, some of these scriptures, they just blow me out of the water. I'm, I'm serious. It's like I read it and I go, wow, that's amazing. Exodus chapter 32. Excuse me, I'm just a little bit shaky tonight. This is when Moses went up on the Mount Sinai. And while he was up on that mountain, the people made a golden calf. Remember that? You remember that account? And, uh, and the Lord spoke to Moses, go down at once. For your people who you brought up from the land of Egypt, they have corrupted themselves. <clears throat> they have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves <clears throat> a molten calf, and I and have worshipped it and have sacrificed to it. And they said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, they are an obstinate people. Now then, let me alone, that my anger may burn against them, and that I may destroy them, and I'll make of you a great nation. God says, I'm going to just step aside. I'm going to crispy the whole bunch of them, and I'll start over with you. And Moses entreated the Lord, his God, and he said, O Lord, why does your anger burn against your people, who have you brought up from the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak? saying, with evil intent he brought them out, to kill them in the mountains and to destroy them from the face of the earth. Turn from your burning anger and change your mind about doing harm to your people. So the first thing he says is, God, if you kill them all, the, the Egyptians, you know, they're, they're like politicians. They spin it anyway. They'll spin it and say, you know, you just you brought them out, but you didn't have the power to keep them. And so you brought them out here to kill them. Uh, so it's going to give your name. It's going to give you a bad name. But then, and then he said this. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by yourself and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all this land which you have spoken, I'll give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So God, so you know what he's doing? He's putting God in remembrance of his, of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, no, you can't do that, God. You can't kill them all because you made a promise to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You're in covenant relationship. You can't do it. And so the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. Boy, praise God. Putting God in remembrance of his covenant actually made him... Made it, it caused him to change his plans. Hallelujah. Like, because a covenant is it's strong. So you can't do it. We're in covenant relationship. And then in Deuteronomy, hear, I want to talk to you about this. Is, to me, this is powerful. This is the story about the Gibeonites. It's going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 7. And then we're going to go to Joshua. Listen, when they came into the, this is what God says. He says, when the Lord your God, he's telling them, when the Lord your God brings you into the land where you're entering to possess it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Socialites, and all the others. That's, a little, that's supposed to be a little joke, but it's not very funny. Seven nations greater and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them before you and you defeat them, listen, then you shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them and show them and show favor and show no favor to them. So God says when you go into the land, because if you do, you're going to start mingling with them and they're going to corrupt you and you're going to end up sinning and you're going to fall away. So God says you, you got to destroy, you got to utterly destroy them, make no covenant with them and show them no favor. So let's flip from, so they go into the promised land. And in Judges chapter 9, there's a group of people that come to Joshua named the, Gideon, the Gideonites. And 
Joshua had conquered Jericho and had conquered this city called Ai. And the people knew that the Israelites were powerful and they, were, and they knew what they were going to do. So he said, you know what, we'll give it our best shot. We'll try to trick them. So what they did was, uh, the Gibeonites, they, 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 were, they, was, they were in the land. They should have been destroyed. But they came to Joshua and they brought, uh, they, they took old wineskins that were just really old and falling apart. And they wore all these old tattered and torn clothes and tattered and torn sandals. And, and the bread that they took was all dried up and crumbling. And they came to Joshua and, and Joshua said to them, he said, where are you from? He said, oh, we're from a long ways off. Uh, when we came, when we got on our, our mules or our camels or whatever they were riding, when we got our clothes were good, our food was fresh, but we've been traveling for days and weeks a long way off. And uh, look at all, look at our bread, look at our clothes, look at how we look. We, you know, we've been traveling forever. And Joshua, and so Joshua uh, looked at the clothes and he said, well, how do we know? How do we know that you're not, uh, how do we know that you're not fooling us? And he said, no, 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 we lived a far away. And so it says in verse, in verse 15. I'm not doing so good on my notes tonight, am I? You know why this isn't making sense to me? I'm in Judges, not in Joshua. I'm reading Judges, Judges 9.15. I'm saying this makes no sense to me. What's going on? Forgive me. Oh, look, the right scripture. This our bread was warm when we took it for our provisions out of our houses on the day that that we left to come to you. But behold, now it's dry, and it's become crumbled. See, they're, they're lying. The wineskins which we were filled were new, and behold, they're torn. And these are clothes, and our sandals are worn out because of the long journey. So the men of Israel took some of the provisions, and they did not ask the counsel of the Lord. See, they, they missed it. This time, Joshua missed it. It's like he didn't pray and say, God, are these guys for real or what? But they just looked at the super superficial evidence that they were presenting. And Joshua made peace with them, and he made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. <clears throat> so remember what God said, don't make a covenant with them, destroy them. But they came, and they fooled them, and they said, okay, we're going to make a covenant. Well, what do you, now what do you do? God, God said don't, but they, now they've made a covenant with them. But here's what happened. It says, when they found out the, the next day, three days later, they found out that they were lying. They said, well, it's too late. The people said, now we have to destroy him. He said, no, you can't. You can't destroy him. Now we've made a covenant with him. See, a covenant's a binding agreement. You can't just go back and say, well, we missed it. So we didn't, you know, I shouldn't have done that. Well, you did it. So now, now what? They made him hewers of wood and drawers of water. So they put him to work like forced labor, but they couldn't kill him. And then, <clears throat> and then in 2 Samuel, in 2 Samuel verse 21, Listen, it says, now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. Okay, here we are. We're fast-forwarding like hundreds of years. And David is king. And it says, there's been a famine in the land for three years, year after year. And David sought the presence of the Lord. And the Lord said, it is for Saul and his bloody house because he put the Gibeonites to death. So hundreds of years later, Saul, trying to show God how zealous he was for him, totally blows it, and he goes and he kills the Gideonites. You know, these Gibeonites have been living with us for hundreds of years. They should have been destroyed. But he doesn't even consider that there was a covenant made. And so a, a famine came on the land for three years because they killed these people that they'd made. A, see, it's, it's, it was the penalty for breaking the covenant. 
they made a covenant with the Gibeonites and, they, and Saul killed them. And it ended up, so David went and he said to the Gibeonites, what do you want, how are we going to make atonement? And they ended up hanging seven sons of Saul to make atonement for violating the covenant. That's how powerful it is. So it didn't matter if, it was, if the covenant was made hundreds of years earlier. It's like when, they, when you break the covenant, you break it and there's a penalty to pay. And unfortunately for Saul's sons, it cost them their lives because of the foolishness of their father. We see in the Bible that Israel, for time after time, walked away from God, but God was faithful to them because he'd made a covenant to them. Now, let's turn to the New Testament. We who have surrendered our lives to God in the New Testament have not simply been forgiven and given the promise of eternal life, but we've entered into a covenant relationship with God. It's what Jesus said at the Last Supper. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is for you. So it's a covenant relationship, which means I'm supposed to give my all to God, hold nothing back, and he holds nothing back from me. Under the Old Testament, Israel was promised things like uh, rain at the appropriate time and victory in battle and uh, prosperity and freedom from sickness, physical things. But in Hebrews chapter 8, it says that we have a better covenant based on better promises. And so what the law could not provide, like a way of justification by faith, it was by works, and no man could do it. But in the New Testament, we're justified by faith. And the law could not provide a new spirit, but it's like what Ezekiel, what the prophet Ezekiel said, he says, a day is coming when God's going to put his spirit within you. You're going to have a new spirit. So in in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, they couldn't have a new spirit, but we do. And in the Old Testament, the law was for just for the Jewish people. But in the New Testament, it's for everybody. The, the word of God, salvation is for the world. And in the Old Testament, the people could not approach God. But in the New Covenant, we can. Through his veil, through the flesh, which is the veil. His flesh is the veil. And through his veil, we can come to God. Praise the Lord. So understanding covenant is important to me for two reasons. And this is what I hope, I I said everything to kind of say this, and this is what I hope will bless you tonight because it's been blessing me. First of all, it helps my faith. Understanding covenant helps my faith. And how? Because in a covenant relationship, each party basically says, all my strength, all my resources are available to you whenever you need it. When Jonathan and David made a covenant, that's basically what the, Jonathan was saying, all that I am and all that I have I will, can be yours. Whenever you need it, you just let me know. I'll be there. And same with David. So that's the way God is. God's, everything that God is, everything that God has is available to me if I need it. So if I'm sick and God has the power to heal, I can come to him and say, Lord, I thank you for healing. I pray for healing in my body, and he'll do it because we're in covenant relationship. If I need forgiveness or if I need wisdom or if I need direction or if I need deliverance, whatever it is I need, whatever it is I need, you know, God has it all. And he, and as long as I'm giving myself to him, all of myself to him, then he'll give all of himself to me, and he'll meet every need I have in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And a final thought I had. As I was praying, really, last night when I was laying in bed, just kind of contemplating today, this thought came to me. Why would a self-existent, all-sufficient God 
want to come into covenant with me. God doesn't need anything. Usually you come into covenant with somebody because they have something you need and maybe you have something they need is a reciprocal. But what God doesn't need anything. Why does he want to come into covenant relationship with me? What have I got to offer him that he doesn't already? What what, what, what have I got to give? You know what he wants? Me. And he wants you. All we have to give him is ourselves. Our worship, our adoration, our love, and our obedience. You know, it's like having a child. What is, you know, I was thinking, what does a child, what does a child give you? Nothing. You know, you have to feed it. You have to clothe it. You have to care for it. You spend for years. I'm not talking about just when they're babies. For years. I mean, having a kid is like an 18, 20 year commitment. For some, more. But I mean, you know, and all the time, you, you got to keep feeding them. You got to keep clothing them. I mean, it, they disrupt your schedule. They demand your time. When they're babies, they keep you up all night. I mean, why? But you know what? You wouldn't give them up for anything because you love them so much. It's like all you can do is take pictures and talk about them and show everybody how sweet they are. You know, you just love them with all your heart, and you wouldn't give them up for the world. And that's, that's what it's like. That's how God loves us. And that's what a covenant's all about. God says, I want you. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to bless you. I want to give you everything you need. Just come to me. Surrender yourself. Be be faithful to me, and I'll be faithful to you. So I just pray that it'll, this message will somehow give us a fresh revelation of how much God loves us and give us a fresh boost in our faith to believe God, to meet every need we have in Jesus' name. So I bless you tonight. I pray you that you'll turn to God with all your heart. I'm sure you have. But you'll begin to realize the blessings of God in our lives. Father, we just thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son to die for us, that we might enter into a new covenant, a new covenant relationship with you. We bless you, Lord. We thank you for the covenant that's at work and operating in our lives and will forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.